Welcome to episode number 12 of Industry Matters, powered by VGM. I am your host, Colin Brecker, and we have another great episode this week. We had the opportunity to sit down with Wayne Van Halem of the Van Halem Group and also Rhonda Burmester for the second time in a row and talk about an OIG report that recently came out which highlighted an alarming rate of claims errors when it came to CPAP billing and PAP supplies. So we'll go over that report, what you need to know of it, and also point out some flaws from the report that may not be painting as accurate of a picture now in 2018 as it was from when the report was conducted. Today's presenting sponsor of Industry Matters is International Biophysics, manufacturer of the AfloVest. The AfloVest is the first truly portable, battery-operated, fully mobile during use, high-frequency chest wall oscillation vest. The AfloVest does not require an electrical outlet for treatments. AfloVest incorporates built-in individual oscillators that allow the user to experience treatments without a loud, bulky generator unit. To learn more, visit www.aflovest.com. Today we have a pretty uncommon occurrence, which means that Wayne Van Halem of the Van Halem Group and Rhonda Burmester are both in the home office of VGM. And today we want to talk about an OIG report which sampled CPAP claims, which found some interesting results. We'll start with Wayne. Wayne, what do you will you introduce what the study found, what it was what it was looking for? Sure, Colin. So this was a um, report that was done by the Office of Audit Services, which is a arm of um, uh, the Health and Human Services OIG, and essentially uh, they go out and are, are looking for um, uh, vulnerabilities and pro uh, processes that that essentially can be approved to make the Medicare program run more efficiently. If you can imagine that. Um, so in this review, they took a sample of CPAP supply claims um, from 2013 and 2014, I believe. Um, they looked at a sample of about 110 claims, and out of that sample, um, they determined that 86 of them did not meet all the Medicare requirements. Um, that totaled a payment of about $13,414. What's interesting about this particular report is that they then um, extrapolated the results of that and as a result um, the report is saying that uh, the total overpayment across the the u.s of all uh, supply pap claims is 631 million dollars so um, just a yeah, really significant number that's that's pretty hard to to get your head around yeah, if if I'm a if I'm average Joe John Q public looking at this study, and I see that the suppliers, 86 out of 110, can't submit a claim correctly, and my instant reaction would be fraud. But there's definitely a little bit more to the study that maybe wasn't accounted for, or we should look at differently. 
Yeah, I would, I would certainly agree with that. I mean, first of all, it's a really, really small sample size. Um, when you look at the overall volume of claims for CPAP supplies, uh, 110 claims doesn't come near to, uh, in, in my mind, represent what would be a statistically valid uh, random sample. And in the reports, the report cited something like 7.7 million different supplies over that same period, so 110 out of over 7 million, really small sample size. Yeah, it's really pretty um, hard to get your your head around that that's what they would come up Mm -hmm. with as a reasonable sample. So what are a couple of things in your mind that, while we don't doubt that the findings, what they found isn't accurate or true, but what are the things that come up in your mind why this report may not be as, not as accurate, but maybe the case is different now than it was back even just four or five years ago? Yeah, I would, I would definitely say it's the age of the claims that they reviewed. Um, the, these claims were from 2013 and 2014, um, which is, you know, four years ago um, now. And a lot's happened in the DME industry in the last four years, um, most notably a significant increase in the volume of audits that were pretty strict and really were, you know, looking to make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted. Um, And as a result of that, providers were, were forced to really figure out what these errors were and focus on fixing those issues. And I think the industry's done a really good job of that. Um, the current error rate in jurisdiction D, for example, at Noridian on CPAP is 7%. So, you know, the data that's current, that's being released by the contractors auditing the claims today, shows a, a vast difference between what was it, 78, 79% error rate versus a 7% error rate. So there's a huge disparity in what I think providers did four years ago versus what they're doing today. Rhonda, when you're in different offices with our suppliers, what have you seen that changes? Or, you know, say that people are doing it incorrectly. Is there a common occur or a common reason that they might be doing things wrong in their billing process? Actually, I have seen a few things with some of the suppliers when I've been out are they don't have a valid order, a detailed written order, so maybe they don't have the frequencies on there, um, or the order is older, so they don't have a current order. So I've seen the order issues. I've also seen, because many of our companies are shipping the products from, through a fulfillment type center or through their own office, and they don't get that confirmation of delivery from the shipping service, they assume it's always going to be there, and it's not. So I've seen those issues when I've been out, and those are important elements when you do get an audit to have those valid orders and the confirmation of delivery. Yeah, and and that was similar denials to what they identified in this report. Um, you know, 53 of the errors were um, because the physician's order was not in accordance with the mm-hmm. LCD, and then there was, you know, the. 36 of them had because the supplier did not have valid proof of delivery and in the report it goes on to indicate that could mean that there was just a one element li- missing from the proof of delivery in most cases it was a tracking number mm-hmm. to and the corresponding confirmation of delivery so um, you know that's there's still those t- types of errors 
that are occurring, um, but I think providers have done a much better job I, at it. Yeah, I agree. They they have gotten better at it. I do agree with that. So um, the other element I wanted to add with that is the um, the refill for requests that you have to have, especially when you're shipping that wasn't always done, or if the patient came into the store, it wasn't shown that the patient came into the store, so your delivery ticket would still show the patient's address so it appeared that it's shipped. And having someone in, at your company sign that internally doesn't show that it was picked up at the store. I've heard that saying, well, my intake staff signed the delivery ticket. Well, Medicare doesn't know who intake is. <laughs> so you have to make sure it's clear that it was an in-store pickup on your delivery ticket. Otherwise, they see the patient's address on there and they'll look for a refill request. So I've seen those errors as well. But they have gotten better, I do agree, especially with the way the new audit processes are at the local level. Yeah, one thing I would add on that refill request too is that, you know, what Medicare intends is that every single code or item that the supplier intends to seek reimbursement for needs to be individually addressed on the refill request. Mm -hmm. So it's not just calling the patient and saying, hey, do you need more supplies? It's, hey, do you need more tubing yeah. do you need another uh, more pillows do you, you know whatever the right. necessary supply is so anything that they're seeking separate reimbursement for they have to address that on a refill request we see that sometimes yeah. missing as well absolutely well you know it, from my opinion I, you know i think what providers can expect is probably more audits. Yes. One of the things that the OIG recommended in the report was that um, the, the, Matt, the DMAX who had admitted that they had not been regularly um, doing random reviews of uh, these types of claims for, for some time, the OIG recommended that they re-implement those. Um, and CMS concurred with that. Now, how that's going to work with the new TPE, I'm not sure because they no longer do widespread prepayment reviews. So my, my guess is that they would implement more TPEs in supply claims. So, um, you know, that's something that, you know, with this amount of purported overpayment, the, the uh, contractors certainly are probably going to start auditing providers doing TPEs on supply claims. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that we should expect to happen and one thing that I would recommend from our perspective is that providers take this opportunity to be proactive. Um, you know, uh, we work with a lot of our clients in auditing these types of claims on a regular basis. Um, if they have, if they're not doing that, um, we can certainly help with that, but if they're not doing it, I'd recommend either they do it internally or, mm -hmm. or get some help doing it um, because these audits around, are around the corner. Now, the good thing is I'm going to guess that a majority of those audits are going to be prepayment. So mm -hmm. if they are having issues, we can help them fix them um, and uh, you know, make sure that when a TPE comes to them that they are doing it the right way as opposed to the some of the findings we see in here. I absolutely agree with that. Also, you know, even with your current claims that you have on file that you've been paid for, it doesn't hurt to go back and do a self-audit to see what documentation's in there. You know, there could be a post-pay audit coming from this as well. Um, just it would be good for your staff education and for your referral education, patient education, to make sure you have the correct information on file. And I know um, 
the Van Halen group has services with that as well. Yeah, and, and in the minimum, read the report, um, get to know it, understand mm -hmm. it. Um, you'll, it's pretty easy to understand what the issues are that they found. So, Yeah, we'll be sure and include a link to that on the podcast site to be able to easily access that report. Wayne, through the Van Halen group, uh, a lot of VGM members and non-VGM members can take advantage of the services that you guys offer. What are a couple of the, the high-level ones? And, and I know you already went through a little bit related to what you guys can do specifically to these, um, but some other audit services that you guys can provide to our suppliers. Yeah, sure, Colin. So from a reactive standpoint, if you find yourself faith facing a, a TPE prepayment audit or even a, a post-payment audit, um, we can help you navigate through that process, review your files before submission, um, help in the communication with the contractor and, and following up, um, trying to, to minimize the impact of that as much as possible on your organization. Um, from a proactive standpoint, um, you know, we have proactive compliance packages that includes quarterly auditing, uh, education and training, policies and procedures, um, everything you would need to have a really sound compliance program with the exception of a compliance officer. That's still someone at your organization, but we essentially do all the legwork. So it's essentially like hiring a compliance department to assist your compliance officer who probably has a lot of other duties anyway. Um, but even if you're not interested in, in, in that regard, we also do just one-time uh, uh, audits just to be proactive and say let's look at a sample of our claims in this particular product category and see where our issues are so um, we both have both you know one-time and ongoing services to assist in that regard that's great yeah I, I make far too many calls to the Van Halen group whether it be Kelly Grohovic or Wayne himself uh, to get some clarification on some of the things that our members have that is about all the time that we have for today Wayne and Rhonda it was a pleasure to have you face-to-face uh, -face right in the home office and we will look forward to sitting down again sometime soon. Thanks, Colin. It's Thanks. good to be here. Yep. Thank you, Colin. Thanks, Wayne. That will wrap up this week's episode of Industry Matters. Be sure and tune in next week when we have the chance to sit down with Jeff Baird of Brown and Fortunato to talk about how telehealth fits into the HME world and what that looks like for providers. Be sure and subscribe to this podcast. You can do that through Stitcher Radio. Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Play, so you get all of the latest notifications on when we upload a new episode. Thank you for tuning in this week to Industry Matters, and we will see you right back here next week. Mm -hmm.